Now, there's a lot of sorrow, a lot of sadness amongst people. I don't know if you realize that this generation, maybe the last several generations, have had to deal with a lot of strange changes, rapid changes, a lot of bad changes in our world. But there are a lot of people who've lost their joy, among Christians even. Uh, I would have to admit, you know, as a Christian, there's a, there's a lot of reasons, a lot of good reasons to actually grieve today. I mean, we have some wicked rulers, and not just r- rulers that take your money. I'm talking about wicked rulers who take pride in bringing filth and sin into law. We have wicked rulers. And the Bible says, in Proverbs 29, 2, it says, When the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. So there's a, there's a lot of good reasons why people, especially Christians, are sad today. A lot of families are losing momentum, losing their kids. I read uh, this morning of a dear friend of mine who... Um, wife just served him letter of divorce and it just killed him knocked the wind out from under him I, I've watched Christians cool off just like the world just, just room temperature and it grieves me as a pastor well, that's all negative I know but there has to be a time for gladness there has to be all of the reasons why we grieve and we're sad and we, we struggle just to breathe, there has to be a time of gladness. A time where we just sit back and laugh. Not Now, Eric makes us laugh at each other. We come to the office and he'll make fun of something or someone. But there's a time where you just sit back as a Christian and you just rejoice. You just laugh. And you... And you you, you sing, and you just, you just smile. Now, uh, it doesn't come easy. I mean, uh, you can't just make yourself smile. I mean, I wish I could just come along. I'm watching some of you, and I just want to take my fingers and just like this to you, you know. But it doesn't come easy for it to, to just burst out of you and, and, and to have some joy. So God wrote us some reminders. And, and Psalm 100 is one of those reminders to just praise the Lord. To just sit back and go, man, God is good. Father, we bow before you right now and we ask that you would minister to our hearts this morning. And that you just give us a reason to laugh, a reason to be glad. To remind us that you're good, that you're in charge. But all things are working together for good. Lord, I pray you just wipe away some tears and overwhelm the sorrow. We want the sorrows to never come. We want the sorrows to not be present, but you overwhelm the sorrows. And I thank you for that. But I need you today to be overwhelming for us. Help us to hear these words written by somebody who knew the depth of sorrow, written by someone who knew what sadness felt like and looked like, and yet he also knew how to praise you. So may we join with him, may we hear and let it transform our hearts, 
in Jesus' name. Amen. So Psalm 100. When you start the Psalm, I'm going to read all five verses. It's not very deep, not very long, but all five verses. And we're going to go through verse by verse and just let it speak to us about serving the Lord with gladness. Verse 1 says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with, what's the next word? There you go. With gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. So when we start in verse 1, he starts off, I like how he just starts off, and he says, make a joyful noise. Now that just simply means sing. That just means not perform. When we think of singing, we think of this. We think of lights and makeup and hair and, and stage and sound systems and, and practice and performance. You know what God says? Make a joyful noise. Make a joyful noise. Not, not, not just, you know, some, some, you may be sitting next to somebody and it says, they make some noise. Well, if it's joyful, it's good. All right? Now, I've been, we, have, we have a drum player down at the end of our, ro- our, our road. He just makes noise. Okay? But we're talking about making a joyful noise. Now, maybe that's all you can make. Maybe all you can do is just off-key, out of range, the whole thing. But if it's joyful, it's right. Now don't you? What I've noticed here in Ireland, I come from, I come from a different culture. I, I came from Texas, and I didn't know how to sing, and I asked to sing in the choir. You know what the pastor said? As soon as I got my hair cut, right? <laughs> but as soon as I got my hair cut and I showed up the next Sunday for choir practice, he put me right in the tenor section. I thought the tenor, I thought, you know, like a tenor note, you know. I What's a tenor section there? And we just started singing, and I learned by adapting. Because I wanted to prepare for heaven. I think we're going to do some singing in heaven. But it means to sing. Now, I'm just going to go to St. Chronicles. Just, just understand. Sing, man. Sometimes we think that it means that, that uh, uh, forget her for a minute, Charlotte Church, by the way. Sometimes we think that we got to go like this, you know. we got to have a choir, choir robe, candles, and make it all professional folks. That's not what David is asking for. He's asking and, and, and compelling us to sing all the time. You ought to sing while you're shopping. I get so sick and tired of listening to the filthy songs uh, on, the, uh, on the speakers and Listen, everybody talk. It's just, it's just amazing. And I'll tell you, years and years ago, used to be on the docks over in England and the docks in America, grown men would come under conviction because they'd hear some Christian singing Amazing Grace. Some Christian sitting there singing, Work for the night is coming, work through the noonday bright. And they would sing in the joy of that Christian while all the other people had just trying to recover from the night of drinking. Hear that Christian full of joy and they gather around him as he'd read his Bible while he's eating his lunch and they'd watch him. He says, you guys want to know how to get what I got? <laughs> and people would get saved because somebody was singing. 
But you think, well, I'm not good enough. Listen, God, God is worthy of whatever you've got. Don't hold back. Just make a joyful noise. Amen. It means to sing. So don't try to, don't wait for church to sing. By the way, when it's Sunday and it's loud, it's good. Oh, I, we come to church and, man, I, I, this is supposed to be quiet. I don't know where you read that. This is where joy is, folks. And where there's joy, there's volume. You ever, you ever have grandkids over at the home? You know why there's no volume in some people's homes? There's no grandkids. And when you got grandkids, you got fun and joy and loud. Amen. Come to church. Now, I don't want you to make noise, just, just screaming at one another. But, but folks, come to church and let her rip. Because who are we singing to? We're singing unto the Lord. There's too many people worrying about pleasing, entertaining audiences. We had the teens come up here and sing. You know, it'd be awful if they had to find something that would make you happy. They didn't come to sing for us. They came to make him happy, amen? You know, when you come up and you sing, sing unto the Lord. When you come to church, sing unto the Lord. Church is supposed to be about us pleasing God. Psalm 19 says this, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto thee, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I just want it to be acceptable to you. Sing in the Lord. And I like, he says there in verse 1, he says, make a joyful noise in the Lord. How many people? All ye lands. So he says, that's not my culture. I don't care. It's not a culture thing. Well, in our culture, we don't sing. We let the choir sing. We let the, the, uh, the ministers of music sing. You know what? All lands, all people, everywhere should sing. Amen. Everybody should sing. It's a Bible thing. Because it blesses God. You know what Paul and Silas did when they were in prison? I'll give you one guess. They sang. Why do you think they sang? Because it blessed God. Actually, they say that if, if you actually just make the effort to rejoice, if you just make the effort to smile and to thank, be thankful and to, 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 to be glad about things, no matter how bad your situation it actually does six major uh, health benefits just for rejoicing. Amen. They finally figured that out. Bible says rejoice. Praise God. You do it. Say, well, I'm not spiritual. You know, one of the best ways you get spiritual is by praising God. So I feel kind of low. Start praising God, you won't be low very long. The uh, Bible says, be not drunk with wine. You know what most people do when they low? They go drinking. The Bible says, be not drunk with wine when it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord. That's how you get spiritual. Make a joyful noise. I like that. Uh... Do you know, go to, go to Psalm 96. The entire universe is singing to God right now. Psalm 96 and verse 11, just one page back maybe. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. And you know, here David in Psalm 96 is not talking about the angels. He's talking about the stars. He's talking about the dirt. He's talking about the trees. He's talking about the water. He's talking about creation. Sings unto God. 
Why don't we? Oh, no, I just don't, I just don't do that. I was um, door knocking one time, and I was giving the gospel to this person. said, that's a very personal thing. All of that emotional stuff, we just keep it in here. Watch your favorite sport. When your team win a, a goal, we'll see if you keep it in there. The entire universe glorifies God. What do you think heaven's going to be like? Go to Revelation. Go to Revelation chapter 5. Holding your place here in Psalm. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. Revelation. Last book in your New Testament. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. And this is amazing because you're going to see what heaven's going to be like. Revelation 5 and 9. And he sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, to open the seals thereof. And they're speaking to who? Speaking to Jesus. They're singing unto Jesus, For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne of the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing." And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all them that are in, all that are in them heard I saying, and they all keep joining, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth on the throne and under the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. <laughs> and the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. So back there in verse 9, there's a bunch of people there. I'm going to be there. And we're going to start saying, Worthy is the Lamb. Woo! Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's start singing. And they sing a new song. And then verse 11, then the angels start joining in. Verse 13, all the creatures in heaven and in earth and under the earth, even those that are in the sea are going to say blessing and honor. Then the, the four beasts, the four archangels are going to go, Hey man, you know what's going to be like in heaven? You're not going to like it. If you're not saved. You know, some of you are so stuck in the mud. No wonder. No wonder heaven doesn't draw you. Because what's going on up there doesn't interest you. It interests me. I can't wait to sing. You see, if that doesn't thrill you, if that doesn't, if that doesn't, isn't the draw for you to get in and join and make a joyful noise and praise our God, if that doesn't draw you, you're probably not going. Amen. Amen. If you don't like praising God now and saying amen now and singing loud now and worshiping God now, then probably you won't like heaven. Amen? Amen. Serve the Lord with gladness. So make a joyful noise. That means all of us. I mean, when you go home and, and <laughs> you stub your toe, go hallelujah. <sighs> praise the Lord. Sing praise. <laughs> amen. Make a joyful noise. Even when it hurts. Even when it's hard. You know, if the devil's robbed you and me of our joy, we need to get it back. See, the greatest proof of revival, the 
greatest proof of revival is the heart. It's not the fact that you, oh, I had revival, Pastor, I'm wearing a tie. That's not a proof of revival. Maybe you got a job, I don't know. Greatest proof of revival is, is that your heart is on fire for God. And you don't care what's preached. I mean, I don't, if the pastor sneezes, you go, hey, man. That was good, amen. <laughs> There's just, it, 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 it's, it's not the depth of the truth, it's just true. And you get motivated to just be a part of worship. The devil's robbed you of your joy, you need to get it back. Make a joyful noise. Secondly, serve the Lord with gladness. Back there in Psalm 100, verse 2, it, he just says, serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing. Now, we constantly serve. We serve our employers. You think about the fact you serve your boss. You do their bidding. You come when they say come, and you go when they say you can leave. We serve our teachers. You know, you go in there to go to school. You, you live up to their expectations of you. You are serving them. We serve our friends. We do what they think we should do. I remember when I was eight years old. Told you about my bike and Evil Knievel. Evil Knievel was the big hit of the day. He was jumping canyons and he was uh, in cars and motorbikes. And so we got the idea that we could do it too. But the we was not me. The we was my friends. We said, Craig, you can do it. So we built the ramp, got the ravine, and we got the stooge. Craig, you're a good bike rider. Just, just get going fast. We'll stand on the side and we'll watch. We didn't have any cameras. We'll watch you and we'll clap you on. So next thing I know, I'm at the bottom of the ravine. But the point is, the point is, we serve our friends. We do what they think. Hey, this is good. Yeah. We do what they say. We serve our flesh. We serve our habits. We eat when we want. We sleep when we want. We seek to fulfill our lusts. We're serving ourselves. And we serve our fears. I know plenty of people who can't step outside of their doors for fear of something going wrong. I know people are fear, afraid of flying. People are afraid of water. They're afraid of heights. They're afraid of death. My mom, we were in the car. We were going through uh, a place in the center of the United States. It's called the Royal Gorge. There was a mile-high drop. I said high. It was a mile low drop. <laughs> and there was this swinging bridge that you could drive over. And so we're driving along. My dad did not tell my mom on purpose. And then she saw the sign. Warning, bridge will swing in the wind. And she grabbed my dad and said, turn around. <laughs> and we had to turn around. Fear of heights. People do crazy things to try to placate their fears. We serve them. Folks, the challenge is to serve the Lord. Go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, in verse 23. Holding your place in Psalms. Colossians 3.23 says this. Colossians 3.23. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily with all your heart. As to who? And not unto men. Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve who? Amen. Do everything, folks. 
as unto the Lord. When you pay your bills, you're doing it because you're doing it for the Lord. I don't care if you get if if it's the bank that's calling you. I don't care. They're not the ones you worry about. You do things as unto the Lord. Do everything. Mow the grass as unto the Lord. You preach as unto the Lord. You pray as if he's the only one listening. You give as if you have the opportunity to give unto him. You cook. Think about Martha. I mean, she had 13 men show up at her house time after time after time. And it was a great privilege for her to cook for all those men. Why? Because Jesus was there. Do everything. We serve, folks. Just make sure we make every effort and effort for God. Now, if you serve others, and that's a good thing to do, others will frustrate you. Nod your head. Others will upset you, disappoint you, backstab you, fail you. So what do you do? Serve the Lord. Do everything as unto Him. Do you know we were born to serve the Lord? Who are you serving? We were born to serve the Lord. Hold, uh, still holding your place in Psalm. Go back to the left, find Joshua chapter 24. Joshua, right after Deuteronomy, Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve whether it's the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in the land in whose land ye dwell, but as for me and my house. Notice what he says. Now, everybody wants to worship God, Brother Dan. Everybody wants to worship God. It's easy to worship God. You know how you worship God? That's not what God says. See, you can fake worship. You can put on a show. You can feel good for a little while, but it doesn't say worship God. He says serve God. Live your life pleasing Him. Live your life serving Him. To, to serve the Lord means to go where He says go, to fulfill His expectations, to do His bidding. Folks, we were saved to please God. Jo, jo, uh, Joshua says, you can do whatever you want, but as for me and my family, we're going to what? We're going to serve the Lord. Now, if you're not actively serving the Lord by your life, if your life does not reflect a life for God, if your words are still the filthy, ungodly, cursing, swearing, filthy, F, every word you can imagine that you learned when you were 9, 10, 11 years old, if those words are still coming out of your mouth, you are not serving God. You're serving the devil. If your life, if your words, if your time does not serve God, guess what? You're serving the devil. You say, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. You're not doing anything right. And we're to serve the Lord. That's where it begins. Who are you serving? Go to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 and verse 11. Romans chapter 6 and verse 11 says this. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, which doesn't attract you anymore, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign. 
be in dominion, be in control in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members, not your eyes, not your hands, not your feet, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin anymore, but yield yourselves unto who? As those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Down to verse 16, know ye not? That to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of? Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. If you're not actively serving the Lord, you're serving sin. I don't care if you agree with it or not. Say, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. Ask yourself, am I doing anything right? Who are you serving? Don't think you can put this off either. This is a do-it-now thing. Every Christian in this room ought to have a T-shirt that says, finisher on it. Ought to have on the backside, it should say, just do it. And in the parentheses, the will of God. Amen. This is something we should be doing. Don't wait until, don't sit there and go, well, when I get old, when I get tired of my sin, you may not make it that long. It's not something that old people like Dan and Eric, you know, end up doing, you know. This is something you're supposed to be doing now. Do not leave the serving to Dan and Kathy. Do not leave the serving. This next month, I can't check on you very well. I will. But I can't check on you very well. So don't leave the serving to Andrew and Jennifer. Don't leave the serving to Tunde and Kemi. Don't leave the serving to Tony and to Dina. Don't leave the serving to John and Ruth. Don't leave the serving to Graham and Gina. These all people, you know they make time and they make effort to serve the Lord. You do it. You do something. Don't leave the serving to them. Folks, be the body here every day of the week. When Christ was here, I'll ask you one thing. What did he do? He served. He took, he took, uh, talking to me. Uh, he took a towel, wrapped around, and then he washed people's feet. He was surrounded by 20,000 people there, and they had not eaten for three days. You know what he did? He prayed. He took a little boy's lunch, and he said, Lord, multiply this, this bread and this fish, and Lord, let me, let me be a blessing. And he served, didn't he? Now, if, if that body served people, and now he's gone and we're the body, we should serve. We should serve. Be the body now, here. Don't leave it for just a few. Serve the Lord. Now, I haven't gotten to the best part. Do it with gladness. See, this is how you are when I come and ask you, would you help out with the tea? Would you mind picking up the, the, uh, the hymn books and take them to the other? Oh, Pastor, you always ask me. I haven't asked you two times in the last year. You always ask me. You got it out for me. Serve the Lord with gladness. We've got to check our hearts. I was praying last night and I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I don't examine my heart and check where my gladness is and where my sadness is. There's such a twisted idea about serving God. People think that it's, there's no joy in it. People think you have to be sour and mean and unhappy if you're living for God. You don't have any fun. You should have been with us this week. 
We had so much fun, we had to pull people off of each other, killing each other. Now we're at that side. <laughs> Absolute blast. Serve the Lord with gladness. You know, listen to Paul. Go to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 and verse 24. Listen to the Apostle Paul. You know how he wanted his life to end up? Do you know how he wanted to finish? He didn't want to retire. He didn't want to try to find joy or find happiness or make up for all of the sorrows of the ministry. And he had plenty of sorrows of the ministry. But look at Acts chapter 20, verse 24. But none of these things moved me. All the troubles that were ahead of him. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course, my ministry, my life with what? With joy. I want to finish with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Paul had no regrets. Paul, at the end of his life, didn't look and go, oh, what a joke. <laughs> you know what he said? I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord has reserved unto them that love his appearing. He still was in love with the Lord. Folks, that's how you ought to be Sunday morning. It's Sunday! Amen. Time to go to church. You make it through the week, look forward to Sunday. Now, if your joy is missing, there are just a few things you need to know about what God can do for you. Hold your, uh, 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 go to Psalm 4. <clears throat> you can leave uh, Psalm 100 for a minute. We're going to look at some scriptures. I want to put some joy, or at least let God put some joy in your life. Psalm 100, and, sorry, Psalm 4 in verse 7. When you found that, also find Isaiah with your right hand in chapter 51. Psalm 4 and Isaiah 51. Psalm 4 and verse 7, look at what it says. I love this. This is what got the message started right here. Bingo, I read this and I went, yes. Psalm 4 and verse 7. This is speaking to God. David writes and he says, God, thou hast put gladness where? In my heart. More than the time that their corn and their wine increased. More than all the, the rejoicing over the harvest and over making money, I got more joy than Donald Trump. Hallelujah. Thou hast put gladness in my heart. Go to Psalm, I'm sorry, Isaiah 51. Isaiah 51 and verse 11. Psalm 51 and verse 11. Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and shall come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and mourning or what? Shall flee away. It's not that they didn't have sorrow and mourning. They just had something that overwhelmed it. You see, there are plenty of people in this room who angry at God, upset at God, Disappointed with Christianity, disappointed, disappointed with prayer, disappointed with just about everything in life because there's sorrow in their life. Let me tell you, God did not protect you from sorrow. He just gives you something better than sorrow. And you'll put it in your heart. You'll put it in your heart. Listen, gladness comes when you grasp God's mercy. 
Look at Psalm 31. Back to the left, Psalm 31 and verse 7. When you realize just how kind God has been to the likes of you and me. Psalm 31 and verse 7. I will be glad and rejoice in thy what? All right, now here's deep. You ready, Kathy? This is going deep. Take a breath. We're going down. Going deep into the truth. It's not all that God gives you that gives you joy. You ready? It's what he doesn't give you that ought to give you joy. It's the fact that we deserve hell. We deserve to be cut off and abandoned by God. But in his mercy, he saved us. Amen. In his mercy, he poured out his wrath on his son and he let us go free. When we grasp the mercy of God, we get glad. When I was a kid, uh, at about, again, that eight-year-old, I was dumb at eight years old. We were climbing up in this beautiful pine tree, and my friend said, this would be a great fort if we could see out the tree. So I went and I got a saw. Man, it looks great now, until Dad came home. And when Dad came home, you could hear the scream from the car when he saw the hole in the tree because <laughs> it was a beautiful shape. It was a mature tree, probably 30 feet tall, and there's this hole about halfway up just coming out from the center. My dad said, you ready for it? Bill! It's my older brother. He's supposed to be watching me. Bill comes out. How did I get there? And he went, it's not me, Dad. I know it wasn't you. You're not that stupid. Craig! Out I come. Couldn't reason with me. It's just, I was stupid. You know, you guys may not like this, but my brother got in trouble. And I went free. You know what? I should have been seriously, seriously whooped. Amen. (laughs) Wow. Wow, my brother didn't sit for days. The point is this. When I realized that all the wrath of God that I deserved went on to Christ, and I went away free, I, I don't deserve that mercy. God gave me mercy. All of a sudden, I get glad. <laughs> I just realized that's the love of God. It, 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 that's what salvation is. It puts joy and gladness in your heart. Go to um, Psalm 126. Psalm 126. Did your brother ever forgive you? Yeah, he did. Psalm 126, verse 1. As a matter of fact, it wasn't long after that my brother got saved and he sat me down and he says, you remember that time where I took the punishment for you? I looked at him, I thought he was going to punch me. He said, that's what Jesus, and he gave me his gospel testimony. He says, that's what Jesus did for me and he gave me that illustration. My older brother understood the gospel of that event. And gave it to me. I didn't get saved that time, but I looked at him, and he was a changed young man, 18 years old. Now, let's go to, uh, where are we? Psalm 126, verse 1. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, when he made them free, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with what? It's okay to laugh, folks. It's okay to rejoice, and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, hey, 
the Lord had done great things for them. Well, verse 3, the Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. You know, when you just sit back and you realize what you're saved from and how God made you free, he didn't just set you free, by the way, he made you free. The Bible says what we've been saved from makes us rejoice. I realize I'm never going to go to hell again. I realize the devil does not have authority over my life unless I give it to him. I realize every, every, every effort of my life counts for eternity. Now that I'm saved, I've been saved from a wasted life. Amen. Amen. That puts gladness in your heart. Number three, when we spend time with him. Psalm 100 verse 2 says, come before his presence. Now, where would that be? Where's his presence, Gavin? Yeah, all right, okay. So we can't go everywhere. We can't go to a specific place, but we can go to him in prayer. Go to 1 Chronicles chapter 16. Back to the left from Psalms. 1 Chronicles chapter 16. In verse 25. 1 Chronicles 16, 25. For great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. He also is to be feared feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Glory and honor are in in His what? Strength and gladness are in His place. In His place. I think it's all I want to... Yeah. Guys, do you ever spend time just with Him in prayer? Do you ever just spend time, I don't care if you're weeping or you're laughing, rejoicing, in His presence. In Psalm 1611 it says, it says, uh, uh, Thou wilt show me the path of, the path of life in Thy presence is fullness of joy. You haven't found that, have you? It's been a long time since you just enjoyed some time by the side of your bed when everybody else is asleep and you just, there's just joy there because who are you spending it with? Just with Him. Just with the Lord. Folks, when you spend time just with Him, there is gladness. When we make time to come together, back to Psalm 122, Psalm 122, In verse 1, David says this, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Were you glad? Was it awesome for you to say, it is Sunday, can't wait to get there. Amen. Amen. You know, just by coming to church, your, your glad factor went up a notch. It just happens. It just does. Now, if it's, you know, if sometimes the preaching knocks you down and, and, and humbles you, that's also good. But it ought to be a thrill to get together with God's people and hear that book preached. Another way that God puts gladness in your heart is when you meditate on who He is. Go to Psalm 104, verse 33. Psalm 104 and verse 33. Psalm 104, 33. I will sing in the Lord as long as I... Ah, that's a good way to live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. Maybe you spend too much time worrying about what you see on Facebook. Maybe you spend so much time thinking about what you see on television. 
maybe maybe all of the the murders, the uh, the uh, uh, adultery, the wicked lifestyle, the the music, the just the, the the stuff that you put into your eyes and into your ear. No wonder there's no joy. Spend some time thinking about Him. Spend some time meditating on Him. It'll be sweet. Just think about who He is, not what He does for you, but what He's done done all your life. It just puts gladness in your heart. One last thing. Did you know today God gave you this joy, this day, to rejoice? Psalm 118, 24. Psalm 118, verse 24. This is the day, not tomorrow. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. There are so many in this room who won't let God put real joy in their life. Because your heart just can't believe it's true. You just can't believe it, man. Just, it's just impossible to think that really there's real joy that doesn't have to have drink in your hand and girl at your side and car. I mean, Eric said, I don't know how many cars Eric drove, but he was already happy before he drove the cars, by the way. God gave us this day to rejoice. You know, all those things, God's trying to put joy in your life. If your joy is gone, focus on those. And then he says, be thankful. Now, it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny that God has to tell us to be thankful. Back there in Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Now, when he says that, it's a necessary command. But you know how important it is to teach your children to do that, amen? Remember when you had to say your kids? Now, go back and say thank you, amen? It's not natural. Go tell them thank you. It's a necessary, and God tells us the same thing. There is so little thankfulness, so little thought to what other people, and especially what God has done for you today. You're breathing. Amen. Your wife hadn't killed you yet. Amen. Amen. Watch it. <laughs> you know, in Luke chapter 17, Luke chapter 17, Jesus has ten lepers stand off the side. They can't come near him. They're, they're, they're way off in a ravine. All the crowds are crowding around Jesus, and, they he, and he hears these ten men crying out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on us. Nobody can help us but you. Help us. Jesus brings them over to him, and he touches them, and he says, what do you want? I mean, I can't understand that. I mean, if Gavin was leprous and skin falling off his face and everything, and Jesus reaching over and touching it, I mean, that's, that's love. He says, what would you like? And he says, to be clean, to be whole. And he says, done. He says, now, go show the priest. Show him what God did for you. And they all take off, and all ten of them are running. Woo! Look at us! We're healed! We're not dying anymore. And as they ran, one guy stops. And he goes, wait a minute. And he turns back around. And he runs and he falls at the feet of Jesus. And he starts thanking him. And he starts praising him. And he starts worshiping him. And he says, Jesus says these words. You ready? Where are the other nine? What happened? We're not all ten healed. I think God has been very good to us. And there's a few people just praising God and getting in on rejoicing. Folks, you can't live. You can't go a day without joy. You can't. You're going to die. But your joy comes from being thankful. 
If, you're not, if you don't go to bed going over five, six, seven things of what you're thankful for, you're going you're gonna to have a miserable night. If you wake up and you're not realizing, I'm alive. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not in hell. Have some time where you just thank God. Do everything with a grateful attitude, man. Man, when you when you when you when you do something, when if 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 you get the privilege of handing out cups of tea, do it with thankfulness. I get to do that. And those of us who are the recipient of it, make sure you tell Tunde and Kemi, thank you. Amen. Be thankful. Do everything with a thankful, a great a grateful attitude. Because one of the most important attitudes you need is to be thankful. Count your blessings. What could you thank God for right now? If I had you stand up right now. Right now? Yeah, right now. I mean, Gavin's sitting there crying on Friday night uh, watching his cousin being dealt with by Dan. Didn't get, not cousin, his brother getting dealt with by, uh, by Dan. He's bringing his cousins to, to Bible camp and stuff and uh, watching all that and Gavin going, praise God, hallelujah. Woo, I've been praying. I've been asking God. Oh, this is so good. This is how, this is how I, I've been praying so much for my family to get the Lord. Amen. And I'm sitting there going, God, give me back that joy. To just, just yearn for you to move in my family, in people's lives. Amen. Just be thankful that, that God gave you an opportunity to be a part of seeing somebody saved. Next time you find yourself complaining with a bad mouth in everybody, Everything wrong in your life, stop and thank God anyway. Do it. Be thankful. We have no right to complain. Matter of fact, God killed people who complain. Read your Bible. He gets fed up with it just like you do. Don't make me come back there. That's what my dad used to say. How long until we get there? Dad, this is an eternity. Can't you go any faster? And that's how you pray, too. Lastly, there are four great truths we need to focus on. Psalm 100, verse 3, and then verse 5. Know ye that the Lord, he is what? It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Verse 5. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Four great truths. Number one, that the Lord Jehovah, the God of the Jews, the God of the Bible, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, guess what? He's God. He's God. Now, that ought to overwhelm you. That means your mom's not God. That means your children's not God. That means your parents are not God. That means Mary is not God. The bishop is not God. The money you have in your bank is not God. The friends that you look up to and do their bidding for are not God. And you, my friend, are you ready? You're not God either. God who created all of heaven and earth, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, He is God. You better learn that. You better know that. Next time you're wondering what to do, He knows what to do. Just do what He tells you to do. Just pray and ask Him. If any man lack wisdom, let him what? Let him ask of God. Give it up liberally. He is God. That's a great truth. To wake up in the morning, trouble going all around, go, Lord, you're the captain. You knew this storm was coming. You knew this was... Just guide the ship. Guide the ship. Secondly, he's the one that made us. That's the good stuff. Verse 3, it is he that hath made us. 
Now, that's just a simple way of, of saying that God took time and effort to fashion your life. Now, if you're going down the beach and you find something like this there, it did not happen accidentally. A fish did not burp it up. It didn't rise up out of the sand. It was not a product of evolution. Nod your head. Somebody made it. Amen? And if there's anything good in your life, it's because God did it. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. Every one of the self-help books always tell you, find the power within. Look to the strength within yourself. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That's what we were told when we were kids. Listen, if there's any good in your life, if you've got a wife, if you've got a husband, if you've got kids, if you've got any good of a job, if you've got health, God gave it to you all. God gave it all to you. Pharaoh thought he made himself. Nebuchadnezzar, and I wish we could go to the, to the scriptures, but Nebuchadnezzar, walking around in his palace, he said, all these things have I done. And the Lord said, no, you didn't, bud. And he sent him out to eat grass like an ox for seven years. And God said to Daniel, said, I'm trying to prove him and prove the world that I bring people up and I knock them down. See, if there's any good in your life, it's because God made you that way. God built you. God fashioned you. And that is good to know. Where is, another thing, where is people? Verse 3 says, Know ye the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are whose people? How many of you are Irish? Let me see your hands. How many of you are Irish? How many of you are Filipino? Let me see your hands. Ooh. How many of you are German here today? Let me see your hands. We've got a German contingent tonight. Amen. Well, you ought to see some of them. <laughs> All right, hey. You don't belong to nobody but him if you're saved. America. You're his people. You're saved. You belong to him. If nobody else wants you, he does. Hallelujah. We're his sheep. We, you know, when God compares us, I mean, he could compare us to, you know, some smart animal, you know, you know, but he compares us to dumb sheep. There's only one animal dumber than sheep. You ready? They're penguins. You ever seen in Antarctica, one penguin dies over? They all dive over. I'm going to go die. Okay. They all go. But sheep are just second behind penguins. And when one sheep takes off, they all follow. They what's he found? What's he found? And we're stupid. But he's the shepherd, amen. We belong to him. He watches out for us. Aren't you glad he's the good shepherd? We're his sheep. We're his sheep. We're his people. When you wake up in the morning and you just want to get glad, just realize he'll watch out for you. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, doze off on the job. And last fourth, fourth great truth is he's good. Down there in verse 5, he says, For the Lord is good. He cannot do wrong. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter how bad things are, God is good. He only does good things. He only does marvelous things. Think about it for a minute. I want you to understand. Look at the last verse. It says, His truth endureth to how many generations? You know what? I've watched as, as Leo's gotten saved. I've watched as some of you gotten saved. You know what's awesome? Is when somebody gets saved. But you know what's terrible, Brother Dan? When the next generation doesn't get it. 
when those who watch Daddy and Grandpa get born again, get excited about the Lord, and the next generation just sits and goes, well, that's not for me. Let me tell you, that truth endures to how many generations? It worked for Grandpa. It works for you. Serve the Lord with what? Gladness. Don't, don't waste a day of your life serving the boss anymore. I mean, when you're, when you're at work, when you're at school, when you're at home, and you're doing anything, do it as unto who? As unto the Lord. Make them think something's gone wrong, something's snapped in your head. What are you doing? Why are you being so nice to me? You hated me. <laughs> i got to treat you like I treat the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Why? Because he's God. Because he's the one that made you. You are his people, and he's good. That's good for all generations. Now, by way of ending, this morning, God's reminded of those four things. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Be thankful and be very aware of who we are. I'm a sheep. He's a shepherd. Do you know the Lord? You know what's going to happen one of these days? You're not going to meet Peter at the gate. He's not going to ask you 20 questions. If you ask 19 of them, you'll get in. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. You either know him now or you will be judged by him for all eternity. Do you know the Lord? And I'm not talking about in your head. You know where you need to know the Lord? In your heart. That if thou shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Do you know the Lord? Hmm. Do you know he loves you? He thinks the world of you. As a matter of fact, he gave everything so he could have you if you'd have, if you'd have him. Hmm. How's your joy and your gladness? Empty? Does it stink? Is it cold? Is it gone? Are you a used to wuzzer? See, Kathy knows what that is. Well, I used to sing in the choir. I used to go to Sunday night. I used to read the King James Bible. I used, yeah, you're a used to wuzzer. Shame on you. Amen. This works for all generations and for all days of your and my life. How's your joy? <clears throat> Is it vibrant? I mean, seriously. Folks, we don't need swinging from the chandeliers, but we do need some joy. We do need some people who are glad. I think you've got a lot of it under control and a lot of it in motion, but some of you are just sitting there watching going, what is going on here? Is this church dry to you? Do you really think it's because I or Brother Dan or Andrew or somebody else just, we're not that great of preachers? Now we know we're not. But you know what? I tell you what, when I got saved, everything was fresh. I didn't know nothing. And when the pastor said something, I heard it was okay to say amen. And so I just said about amen about everything. Because it was all new to me. I actually had old people tell me, quiet down. <laughs> You're embarrassing. I'd rather be embarrassing than be an embarrassment. You know, there are times where Christians need to be able to just sit back and rejoice and laugh and sing and smile before they come to church. Amen. It's an awesome thing when a lot of people get together and we're all hurting, but we just want to praise the Lord. What if you already, what if you came to church already glad? You know how to start that way? Make sure you're saved. See, the only reason why some of us can actually be glad is not because we got everything going right in our life, not because 
we, 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 we have no problems or anything, it's because we know we're saved. Because the Lord Jesus moved residence from he who lives in heaven now lives in my heart. Don't live in my head, don't live in my feet. He lives in the place and the source of all my emotions. How can I give him anything less? How's your joy? I mean, wouldn't it be awesome if this morning somebody got saved? Wouldn't it be awesome if it was you who said, I'm tired of going to hell because I'm too proud to admit that I'm lost? Wouldn't it be just the best gift you could give to God would be your life? He gave his for you. But does you no good till you receive it? Would you like to receive it this morning? You can receive it by faith. All you got to do is cry out to him, God, I'm a sinner. You understand that part, don't you? Come on, you agree with that? Amen. I don't deserve heaven. Amen. But I don't want to go to hell. Save me, please. You know what Lord Jesus died to do? To save. He's just waiting to save you. If you are saved, people of God in this room, we can smile. And we can serve him with gladness. Father, we bow before you. Just ask that you would help us turn our lives around and not serve the devil anymore, not yield to temptations and to frustrations, but that our lives would be yielded unto you. And that, Lord, our life would be known as a life of service. And we've got to serve people. But oh, how wonderful it is when we know we're really serving you. Lord, would you restore unto us joy. Give us revival in our hearts. Yes, we want to be holy. Yes, we want to do things right. But even if we do things wrong, I'd like to have at least my heart right. May we serve you, noise and mess and all, if we would do it with gladness. And may somebody in this room have the courage to say, I'm ready to get saved. I'm ready. I want to get born again. I don't want to fake it anymore. I don't want to go through life and end up in hell. If Jesus Christ can give joy, I want it. In thy presence is fullness of joy. May every person in this room settle their eternal destiny this morning. If they're not saved, let them get saved. If they are saved, let it show. In Jesus' name, amen.